your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here with Alex and Ryan following Everton's 2-1 defeat to Aston Villa at Villa Park. It is only the second time in Premier League history that Everton Football Club have lost their first two matches of the season, the first time being in 2009-2010. All in all, I'd say a rather boring match with a chaotic finish thrown in for good measure. We'll discuss all of that and more. Before we get into everything, just a reminder that if you enjoy the show, we'd appreciate your support by leaving us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. And if you want to find us on social media, you can find us all of our links at linktr.ee slash usatoffeepod. And we will be quoting a number of members from our Discord and on Twitter. So give us a follow there. You can join the Discord at invite.gg slash ATP. And without further ado, let's get into it, guys. Instant reactions. We got some good ones from our followers on Twitter. We'll go to Ryan and his selection first. Yeah, big Matt Clevy at Matt Clevy. Although our resident power forward, because apparently on the Discord, we Harry's on it and he's like seven feet tall. So yeah, that's just crazy. We get some high line. If I know, I know, I'm like the six three six four point guard. If Daly and Rondon are fit enough to come off the bench, they're fit enough to start. We looked much better with an actual striker on the pitch. The front three that started cannot do so again. If I have to watch Gord not score again from six yards out, I'm going to die. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think the striker is the fundamental biggest problem with the team, but when you have them, I think it would have been important to play them. I don't want to encourage the hoofball, but... I think having someone that can play through the lines a little bit, that's a little more comfortable in the role, can can help. We'll talk a little bit about how there's good and bad uh, from a tactical standpoint there, but the idea that they're not fit is absurd. I don't know who came up with that idea, too. I mean, Rondon has started and played for Venezuela, and I mean, it's not like he's not used to the weather. Yeah, very true. We also had Alan Brody at Brody in MD. The less said about the first 80-plus minutes, the better. Thought Holgate and Cody were bright spots, even though Nana lost ball leading to the second goal, he responded well and should have had an equalizer. Boss player needs to start next week. Have to agree pretty much on the whole. I thought, you know, hopefully, assuming Onana is, is pretty fit too. I, I think he had a full preseason to my knowledge. Obviously, he just was only here for a week, so it could make sense why he didn't start. Um, but definitely changed the game, in my opinion. Yeah, helped a lot, agreed, Alex. I know Frank said in the post-match that he isn't quite yet fit to play, but had to out of necessity. So we'll see how that situation develops. And we'll definitely talk about his performance more as we go through for my selection. I went with uh, wanderer Dave at Halifax, Dave contrasting with Ryan's point. He said, no striker, no striker, no striker needed a poacher for those loose balls in their penalty areas. Rondon Delhi have to start maybe with McNeil. Not sure how to work all that. If Dukes is hurt. That was also another unfortunate casualty of the day. Um, in terms of score predictions from our Discord, only two on the day. Again, largely optimistic. Start of the season. We haven't had the full pain and uh, disillusionment sink in just yet. So Caramel Crunch 10 and myself were the only correct score predictions. You should be ashamed. I take no pride ashamed. in it, gentlemen. I'm going to be honest. No pride whatsoever in getting this one correct. But it's the only consolation I have after we left with zero points. And uh, let's get into the lineups for both sides. We start with Aston Villa. Coming into this season, they had a all right preseason. They drew 2-2 with Manchester United and beat Wren from League One in preseason. They lost 2-0 to Bournemouth on opening weekend. So getting off on a, to a slow start as well. That, of course, changed today. 
And speaking of changes, Steven Gerrard elects to bring in Tyrone Mings for Kanza in center defense, and then Ollie Watkins in for Leon Bailly. The other notable changes this season for Villa in terms of their starting lineup, Bubakar Kamara, new signing in defensive midfield on a free from Marseille, and then Diego Carlos in center back as well, 26 million pound arrival from Sevilla. Otherwise, pretty similar to what we would have seen from them last season in terms of personnel. Uh, Jacob Ramsey seems to be a mainstay on their flank lately, kind of had a breakthrough season last year, but otherwise pretty typical for Aston Villa. What about Everton, Alex? Yeah, you know, Villa has really, you know, built a pretty strong lineup in the last, you know, year or so. You got to say when you go through the lineup and who they've added it, they've got some they've got some pretty good players over there. They've they are paying a lot of high wages spent. on old yeah. guys. Oh, I mean, yeah, sure, sure. They're, but hey. they're, I mean, it reminds you a little bit of another oh, team. 18, um, 2018 Everton yet? I mean, yeah, it's 17 <laughs> a window for sure. I mean, I don't know. We'll see how that ends up with them. But, I mean, they brought on, what, probably three guys for over 100K a week permanently in the summer. Yeah. I mean, anyway, either way, sorry to steal your thunder. No, no, you're good. You're good. Point stands. Um, Everton lineup ended up being, you know, essentially the same lineup as as we had last week, except Connor Cody came in uh, for his first start in the center of the back three. Um, that also means that we had Gray, Gordon, and and McNeil starting up top from left to right. Holgate came in as well, um, obviously because we had, I think it was Yerry Mina and Godfrey starting last week, both being injured. It was interesting, you know, to note that now that means that I think, to my knowledge, every center back in the squad has been used in the first two games, except for Michael Keane. So it seems maybe he has dropped to last on the depth chart. Obviously that, you know, you know, that, that part of that could be just his, his profile of play. And maybe he, he is best seen at the center of, of the back three as well. But otherwise, Ryan, why don't you uh, jump us into the tactical setup for the match? Yeah, you were right. It was a lot of what we saw last week. I think Cody changes that a little bit. Um, His distribution is good. Uh, We were well organized. He tends to drop a little bit deeper you saw the fullbacks, fullbacks trying to push up a little bit higher, call them wingbacks, I suppose. Patterson in particular, even though it really wasn't getting the ball as much. Same thing up front. You know, the top three were up there trying to be fluid. Gordon was at center forward again. I mean, he was trying to play between the lines, but it just wasn't going to happen. Uh, I think there were times when we could control the ball in the midfield and we were organized and we had some numbers out there in the wide areas because they, in essence, were playing a diamond. So they were clogging up the midfield. We weren't going to go through, through down the middle with them. We we were OK. Uh, and there were also times where they had the ball in the back where we pressured higher with Gray Gordon McNeil and that created a couple turnovers. So that's probably the reason why Frank wants to continue with those guys, if I had to guess. But look, I, I think. We just can't keep the ball. And if you can't keep the ball, you're not going to be effective pushing fullbacks higher. I mean, Patterson was higher, but he i mean, he only made 16 passes with the 50% completion rate. So it's not like we stacked numbers over there and really helped him a lot. And him and McNeil have not really hit it off yet. But I think the issue is the lack of support for them. Again, I still saw too much long ball stuff. I mean, Pickford was four for 15 in long balls. I mean, I think the rest of the defense was more accurate. You saw some long diagonals, which that's okay. Like I have less problem with that because you're in essence switching the ball to the backside and getting the defense to move side to side. And if you can hit a decent diagonal, those guys are wide open because a lot of the modern teams that pressure tend to fling over to the ball. Um, But look, I mean, we had 68 long balls. I mean, that's super high. Last week we had 62 and I thought that was high. When we didn't have the ball, we defended deeper a lot in the back five. And when we were set, we were okay. And, And I think 
Davies, we've seen have some positional issues in the past. He didn't really show those as much today. I mean, he got caught up maybe once or twice. Um, DeCorey obviously getting hurt. I mean, affected things. And him and Wobi looked okay defensively. And I think you got to give credit to the to the center halves for being behind them and vocal. But look, I mean, Villa did what they've been doing. You know, they've been pushing the ball down the left side. I mean, 47% of the time it was attacking down the left with Luca Dean. And at times it looked dangerous, but I mean, I wouldn't say they necessarily created a ton of chances, but as we kind of moved into the match, I mean, they definitely were the stronger team at first, had a lot of the ball. We struggled to get in the match, I think, for for a while, Um, but getting into the timeline, there was kind of a strange moment, though, in the second, they had a huge chance off a set piece that wasn't finished, thankfully, and immediately I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Like, Mean is out. Calvert-Lewin's out. We have no proper striker. Are we going to be able to defend set pieces? But that really wasn't it, right? No, I mean, it, I think from the get-go, what I saw, to your point, Ryan, is we we really just struggled to string passes together. A lot of errant passes, a lot of hoofing it long. And, you know, you mentioned the the, num- the quantity of long balls. Well, the fact, you know, Chelsea, you could maybe understand going a little longer. Um, a team that definitely is more capable of dominating possession. But against Villa, like, we should be going toe-to-toe with them. There's no real excuse for not trying to retain the ball, but th- we were just misplaced, misplacing passes left and right. And even when we did go long, it felt like you know Pickford would hoof it and it would land directly at the feet of a Villa player with, with like no one within 10 yards of him. So it wasn't good distribution across the board and Villa dominated possession for the first 30 minutes. We really couldn't create very much and they had 61% possession. Yeah, no, it definitely was. It was an issue and on top of the fact that, you know, we, we couldn't essentially win any aerial battles on all the long balls. We weren't, we weren't playing the ball on the ground at all. We didn't really win any second balls either. Um, the forwards couldn't really retain possession, which we kind of saw throughout the match and we'll get more into. And, and obviously I think people have heard our gripes on, on the front three, the setups, the personnel specifically, but otherwise, it didn't lead to a, a pretty first 30 minutes up until uh, the 30, 31st minute in which Everton concedes their first goal to Villa. You know, I think, Ryan, at some point, it kind of it, it kind of exposed the back line of, of personnel of Cody, Tarkowski, and Holgate. It did, and maybe that's some of the hesitancy to get on the ball um, for fear that you're going to hit back off the counter. I don't really buy that necessarily. I just think there are some bad decisions and some structural issues. I I think with that lineup, if you're going to play that fluid three, you got to get on the ball, I think. Or if you're going to hit them from the counter, you got to be pushing on that back line. Yeah. I mean, the goal was, it was all kind of exposed at one moment. Wasn't it, Alex? It's it's, it was a quick long ball counter off a play where McNeil tried to cut it inside, I think, and lost the ball. And so the ball goes out wide to Watkins. And and so Tarkowski is unwilling to kind of close in on him because it's not a strong suit. And I think we saw that today. I mean, Tarkowski's a solid defender, but he's not good in the open field. He's not quick. His feet are slow. Awobi eventually came back to help. I mean, Watkins got all the way to the 18. You'd like to see him close down. But then this drives me crazy. I think this is the one in the nutshell that really just irritates me. I mean, Ings is in the middle. He points to where he wants it on his right, comes back to the ball. Cody lets him have it. Like, I don't get that at all. I, I would have expected him to step up in front and win the ball or at least come up and contest him a little bit, you know, and he didn't. He backed off. He got the ball, swung back around. Now, DeCorey had eventually got back at this point, was in front of him. But then another one. Then they back off him. They let him shoot, basically. Holgate can't close him down because he's got a player to his right. 
I mean, I don't know what to say here. Maybe Holgate could have peeled off. Maybe Pickford honestly could have taken a chance and said, all right, the traffic's right in front of me. Let me go to the wide space on the right. I think that's a little bit harsh, though. So I don't know what your guys' thoughts are, but I, it definitely exposed the issues with the back line. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I have to add is on the replay, when it showed the shot um, kind of from behind Everton's goal, goalpost with like Pickford and specifically on the right-hand side where Holgate was, it showed that Holgate kind of stops tracking Ings on the right-hand side far earlier than than Cody and Tarkowski does. And if you look, he's essentially he's essentially even vertically with I think it was Tarkowski in the middle. He he 100% could have moved an extra foot, an extra yard in that time in which he just stood still and watched the shot come off. In my opinion, he could have covered it. First goal from open play on the season and uh exposing the back line very early on. And hopefully we'll see some changes there, but look, this is a uh, kind of pieced together by Frank. Obviously, he'd prefer to not have this particular configuration in there, but you have to work with what you have. And I I just didn't. I was really frustrated to see us just give a guy like Danny Ings that kind of time and space because you know he's going to be clinical and put it in the bottom or the back of the net, rather, which is exactly what he did. And, and he's not quick. I mean, like, what are you right. afraid of there? What is going to dance around you or something? It was right. really he, disappointing. to. If you've got Cody and Tarkowski afraid of Danny Yang's beating them for pace with the ball at his feet, then we've got some serious problems. And, he, and you got three center halves for a reason. So I understand the fullbacks are pushed up. That's fine. Wingbacks, whatever you want to call them. It doesn't matter. That's fine. But I mean, you know, the two center mids busted their tails and got back eventually. I mean, I, I don't know. It's just... If you can't, I mean, if you've got three guys back there and you can't defend like that, someone has to make a defensive play, I guess, is my point as a center back. Like, you right. can't just sit back there, let it all sit in front of you, yell, shout, point a lot, and hope everyone else is going to clean up the mess for you. you got to step up and make a play every now and then. We saw some of that from the wide spots, but I just think Cody gives us a different different dynamic there and, and kind of invites opportunity in front of him. But, you know, the trade-off there is the distribution. Yeah. Anyway, big moment in the 35th. DeCorey goes down. He was struggling, you could tell, for about 10 minutes prior to that. Uh, I think what's really intriguing, though, was who we brought on for him. And I'm curious everyone's take on that. Yeah, well, we bring Tom Davies back after being sidelined for basically a full season. At the time, I was very concerned. I saw a lot of people are still saying DeCorey is overrated, that he's terrible. Um, and, And at the time, okay, well, Tom Davies is not going to be the answer to our midfield problems where we had basically been overrun up to this point. I was very worried. Uh, We'll we'll talk about it. I was actually pleasantly surprised by Tom Davies today, but I think in terms of the choice of substitute, I don't really know what other option Frank has, right? He could have brought on Onana to play 70 odd minutes, but that seems premature. Clearly he doesn't feel comfortable slotting him immediately into the side. You could bring Deli Ali on, but in a midfield two, that doesn't make a ton of sense. And none of the other guys are really center mids, you know? So I think he's struggling for options and Tom Davies is the convenient one. Uh, Tom Davies also comes on and almost immediately picks up a yellow card, which didn't help matters very much. That uh, was not a good way to introduce himself to the Everton face faithful on his uh, reemergence in the side. But from that point on, I thought he was really solid uh, and, and was pretty composed, all things considered. I'm happy they didn't go with Onana. That's just not needed. I mean, he's not ready yet. I, I don't understand why. And everyone's going to be like, oh, he came on for 10 minutes and he was awesome. He should start. But look, I mean, you want to develop the guy. He's a bigger investment than that. So I understood that substitution because who else are you going to bring on with the lawn down? I don't know, Alex. Yeah, no, I mean, not many options in the end. So it makes sense. As James said, I was really just nervous because he's also a completely different profile from Decore, right? He's not very mobile. 
Um, defensively, he's okay, but he's not amazing. So he ended up doing the job um, exactly as as was asked, though. So that's all you can really hope for in the end. Although they switched, actually. It was kind of interesting. I think when Davies first came in, they kind of switched roles because DeCorey had been sitting back a little bit more and collecting the ball. And it kind of, by the way, kudos to Alex Wovey for be able to make kind of switches like that. I mean, the guy's incredibly versatile. Um, thought that was interesting. But for the most part, though, I mean, he, he played pretty well. So, I mean, looking back on it, he did well. Now, if that's the organization around him, I don't know. Uh, that yellow did end up costing us later, though. Uh, so we get to halftime. I mean, I, I was I was pretty disappointed about the performance. Um, started the second half. Still a lot of back and forth. I mean, I felt like there was an opportunity for us to tie the thing and and maybe make a difference. Um, but nothing was quite clicking. And, and then we saw our first kind of intentional sub happening in the 64th minute um, when McNeil went off for Rondon. This one definitely merits a little discussion. I think there's a question on the timing of it. And then another window where we only use one sub. Um, I don't know. I, I got to think about this one a little bit. I don't like taking off your best set piece guy though, for sure. And I don't understand why we didn't start with the center forward, but you know, at this point you got to make a change. Is this the right one? The wrong one? What do you guys think? I, I, I didn't like, I didn't like McNeil coming off again. Right. I, I think I would echo the same sentiments I did last, last week. I would have thought it would have been gray or Gordon before him. Um, he wasn't great though, Alex. Right? No, he I mean, wasn't. Was he was not, but he was not, but the thing is, though, he we know how he can play with the center forward on the pitch. Um, you know, we've talked about his set piece ability, and we'll kind of get into that um, a little later in the episode too. I think it was the wrong sub. I, I didn't like how he waited so long, and I actually really didn't like how he made only one sub this window. It, it's the exact same scenario last week, in which you know we had to use one early on in the first half because of an injury, so that leaves two left. You know, I thought at halftime we could have made a change. Like I, I, I thought that you know, Gordon or Gray could have come off a half and, and it would have made sense. For me, it, it wasn't necessarily the right choice. Is he vindicated after? I'm not sure. But Rondon definitely did help us um, later on through the match. So in terms of him yeah. coming on, good. Agree with that, Alex. I think on on most of those points, I think with McNeil, you saw some of, I think, his limitations in being a very one-footed player. Uh, there are times when he, he was actually over on the left-hand side for a period, I think, at the start of the second half where we started fairly brightly compared to the first. Um, but I think both Gordon and Gray could have been yanked rather than McNeil, given more of a chance to make an impact. I think he struggled a little bit. Um, and I I want to have sympathy for Frank in terms of the substitutes because now it's two consecutive weeks on the bounce that he's been forced into a first-half sub to use that first window, and he hasn't really been allowed to make elective subs. Um, but I think that also maybe is a ding against him because if you're forced to essentially waste one of your sub windows, then you have to be very intentional and calculated with the other two and have a forward looking view. And I think maybe that wasn't taken into account. But to Alex's point, bringing Rondon on, I think immediately we looked much more uh, capable uh, and he provided a focal point for our attack. And and just one more point on McNeil in regards to Ryan's comment about like him not being that good. I agree that he wasn't that good, but I I would also say that you know he made a couple passes in behind that looked pretty inventive, and I think that it would have helped us like unlock the defense if they were you know a little bit more crisp, if maybe the runners had a better touch, etc. So Gray and Gordon are not necessarily the most creative in that regard either. So what you know un- unless it's a huge a huge fitness problem, 
you know, you can leave him on just just for the ability to do so. It's kind of like he wasn't good, but relative to what? I mean, <laughs> that that's the thing. That's I right. Mean, if Gray or Gordon were killing it, I I would get it. Um, I mean, there was some impact there a little bit, but again, we were still struggling to kind of keep the ball, so it almost didn't matter. Um, we had a couple moments where, like, I felt like um, a Wobi played someone in at one point. We actually had possession for a second, and that, that's I'd like to see Alex pushed higher up on the pitch. But in the 81st, we, uh, we definitely went for it here. I mean, this is Frank's move to try and um, get back into the match. We're down one, so we, he subs Gray and Cody off. I think that's a pretty good illustration that he doesn't trust Cody to play in a back four because, look – if you if you need to keep the ball and you need to be and you need to be aggressive and have a ball player back there, Cody's of course the guy you would keep on, and he didn't. I actually probably maybe should have subbed him for Tark, but that's a set piece issue. Anyway, Onana and Delhi comes on, so we we get we get Onana's debut. Did it make a difference? I think it made a difference both positively and negatively. Their goal immediately showed kind of the negative. Um, maybe it was Onana trying to do too much, but we had some chances later that were a positive. I'm kind of curious what you guys think about this in terms of also, was it Villa sitting back on us or we'll talk about that in a second. Let's talk about the subs first and then we'll get to the goal. I mean, really uh, a bright light on a dark day in terms of Onana making his debut. We know the kid has a ton of potential, probably not ideal circumstances for him to make his first appearance, but he did come on and he looked confident on the ball, even though that maybe perhaps a tad overconfident given the goal that we conceded shortly after he arrived on the pitch. Delhi, I want him to be a really good impact player and an important player for us so badly, but it just feels like he's really struggling and languishing trying to make an impact. And look, the more, every time he plays, makes one of these cameo appearances, it's just one appearance closer to that big check we're going to have to write Spurs. And I, I'm worried about him justifying that price tag when that day eventually comes. And part of that is maybe he just doesn't have enough time to get into the flow of the match, struggling to make an impact. I think that's part of it, but still a little disappointed with the impact he was able to make in the limited minutes. But things got chaotic, to say the least, after that substitution. The goal was, uh, again, just kind of a dichotomy of or an example of exactly what what we saw you know you made a choice to kind of go more offensive you know you could be exposed in the back and we were I mean Onana tries to take the ball and dribble through the middle of the field which I just again it's just a guy that hasn't been here very long wasn't working all week probably on preparation and knowing that they're stacking the midfield like that you can't do that but he's trying to make an impact you know he knows we need to score so he's trying to take chances but anyway ball's lost pass goes to the middle Wendy is running at the center halves Davies can't foul him because he's on the yellow, which is a shame because if he's not, he probably takes him down there and there is no chance. This one, I don't know what Tarkowski is doing here whatsoever. He picks up Wendia, which I get the initiative. Great. Hooray. Congrats. But the problem is he's got a player to his left. Holgate is the one that has to take the man. Makes the wrong decision. Comes out at him. Watkins is played wide and then Tark can't change directions and get back and stop the pass across the goal mouth to, to Buendia. Maybe Holgate could have stepped in front of him, but the problem is like Holgate wasn't on him. It wasn't his man. So if it, Holgate was the one who stepped to him, maybe you could have bumped him or prevented him from making that run. I, I don't know. I mean, this is, I mean, you see it, you know, Tark's just not great in, in space and he's not quick. So he can't turn and change directions and get back that quickly. I think this one's kind of on him, but it just goes to show when, when we've got the wingbacks pushed up, how exposed we ultimately are. Yeah. I mean, I thought, to be fair on that goal, I thought Holgate could have done a better job of tracking Buendia's run to the back post, right? Like he was 
a step in front of him. He literally watched him run. Probably. Kalski is trying to cover. I mean, you know, as you said. It's tough, though, because, like, you know, he steps up to take the guy. So you're sitting there like, what do I do? Yes, he should have passed him on, Alex. I, I, I can't deny that. I mean, definitely he's he's somewhat to blame. Yeah, I mean, you point fingers all you want. Fact of the matter is we go down 2-0, and I, I certainly thought that was the end of the match. My interest and uh, optimism was well and truly in the pits, as they say, but just 90 something seconds later, we're Those thrown things. a lifeline by Agent Lucas Dean. Previously, had uh, his last own goal was for Everton or for Villa while playing for Everton. He repays the favor and uh, gets an own goal for Villa this time to bring us within one. It was a, a Rondon flick on a long ball, flicks it to Onana, bursting forward. Uh, shows the uh, deceptive explosiveness with his He's size. Quick for a big guy, and he, I mean his feet and his agility is is like you're afraid when you sign a big guy like that, that they're going to be kind of a a big kind of you know lump. And no, he's not. And that that's that's part of the ceiling for this kid to have that yeah. kind of size and range, but have the quickness and the balance and the accelerate. That's what I said the first time I remember watching him play. I'm like, great feet. You know, yeah. normally you see a kid that's six five, you're like, oh man, he's not going to be able to do it. But you can see he's got the athleticism at least to play in midfield. I don't know how much more we saw of him today, but we saw that he's not an attacking mid or anything. But he took off, did he not? And he got to the line. Yeah, it explodes past the Villa defense to the to the touchline and managed to uh, slot across a slot a cross in Rondon chasing it down. Can't quite get to it. We get a corner. We start to build up pressure, start to threaten a little bit. Uh, but then, of course, this is where Dean really has no option here. He has he's put in a tough spot. He either lets us tap it in or he has to try to make a play on it. And it results in a two, one score line and worth again, throwing a lifeline, an opportunity, the away fans come alive. The atmosphere ramps up and all of a sudden we're thinking, I mean, we're no strangers to comebacks in the recent past. Is this another one or can we snatch a point at the death? Is it possible? And I think we, we definitely gave it our all to make that happen, but unfortunately not enough do a no small part to Villa with some shameful time wasting practices that we saw I think it was what five minutes of stoppage time, and we and they probably wasted six minutes, and we only got maybe two to make it up. So that was frankly outrageous and embarrassing. But to their credit, they they saw the result out. But it was it was chaos after that chance, after that own goal. It was, and I think it kind of bumped up the numbers and made it look like we maybe created more than we did. I mean, for the 90, 89th minute on, six to one shots for Everton. In the 88th minute, Understat and other services had like the XG at 2.63 versus 0.59 for Villa. And I, I actually felt it was that way. Some people, some I don't know how people watched that match and thought like, thought we really had chance. I didn't see us creating a whole lot. You know, the one thing about Onana too, I just wanted to knock out. Let's be clear. This kid's not an attacking mid. I mean, so I, I, I understand he had a chance maybe in the box could have done something. Rondon had one too. We just didn't quite get to it. Mings deserves some credit. He made a good play on that. But like Onana has three goals in his professional career, not a single assist. I mean, he averaged over one touch in the box for, per 90 for Lil. So I just, it concerns me that people are going to sit there and say, oh, well, he needs to start now because he played well for 15 minutes. And that's why I asked the question, was it us? Did we do something great? Was the change in formation helpful or was it just Villa just conceding possession? I, I, I thought it was probably a little bit of them conceding possession, but you don't know. I mean, and maybe if you made the changes earlier, I mean, it was clearly not working. I felt like we would have played all match, maybe another match, maybe two more with that same setup and never score. So maybe you should have made the change 
earlier, but someone please explain to me stopping the match with someone having a cramp, a cramp, not a head injury. We've got the ball and he stopped the match basically to give them a sub. I mean, that's amazing. Can we do that from now on? I think that's really great. Just flag the official. Hey, can you just stop the match in the middle of the match so we can make a sub? Can we do that? So that's what we should do from now on. I love the consistency of refs. So one of our players just needs to fall over, grab the hammy, scream a little bit, and there we go. Stop the match. Get a sub. That's great. Thanks. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> that utterly was ridiculous. It was blasphemy. It's, 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 it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, that that's something like Michael Hover legitimately deserves to be fined for that. I don't understand it at all. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely disgraceful. We had the ball, man. I just, and then you don't add the commensurate amount of time on there for sure. For sure you don't. So just garbage. So I, you know, just, just to your point right before, right before the, uh, the whole stoppage in play, right? I think it was, it, it's both, right? It was our change in formation and personnel, like our subs, but it was also Villa backing off and going, you know, going for the three points. However, the entire situation for the own goal was, was, was created because Rondon was able to successfully knock it down right outside the 18 and Onana burst inside the box. It was a great play from Onana to cut the ball back. But I, I also think we have numerous players that could have been on the pitch in the same area that got the knockdown and done the same thing. Dribble to the byline, you know, beat the man, cut the ball back. I, it, that that for me says that it really was as simple as, you know, being able to create some sort of cohesive attack in the final third with Rondon up top. Any kind of link up play. We're just desperate for it. And Ryan, I guess to the point on the XG that you were making earlier, our first shot on target didn't come until like the 53rd minute with that Damari gray cutting inside, ripping the shot directly at Martinez. And from, and then I think the rest of our shots on target came after the own goal. So not a creative force or great creative output from Everton by any stretch of the imagination. And you, you said it already, but the time wasting and the referee just encouraging or allowing that sort of time wasting and even rewarding it in the end is just disgraceful. There's an article that came out the other day that was talking about how time wasting has just gotten completely out of control. The ball is out of play and or stopped for like 50% of the actual 90 minutes. And I think that the, the headline was something like fans are getting robbed blind by the, the time wasting. And it's hard to disagree when you see stuff like this. And then look, if, if, if a guy stops play because of injury, it's not that hard to start your stopwatch. And when play resumes, start it and just add that equal amount of time on. Seems like they're adding like you take the multiplier, you, you take add like a third of the time that was wasted on. And, you know, it just it just everyone loses except the team that's doing the time wasting. The fans lose. The opposition definitely miss out. So I, I hope to see them crack down on it, but they don't crack down on diving. They don't crack down on this. So I, I'm not holding my breath to see any sort of changes there. Probably wise. <laughs> the blue in the face and it would be. Uh, and blue in the heart. Blue in the heart. And you guys would be down to just two hosts oh of my, this podcast. Oh my God. I mean, dear Lord, that, that may have been worse than any call for spirit you've ever had. <laughs> don't, don't know. I thought that was good. That was I beat good. you to it. I beat you to it though. I called out for the spirit before you did. That's my you neutralizing did. move now. I you guess. jumped the gun. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about the performances as a whole. We have some good and some bad. I think as a, as a whole, not a lot of good, but for me, I had Alex Wobie yet again. Probably the best player on the pitch last week or close to it. I think the same is true again today. A couple of key passes, 80% pass success, one for one in dribbles, like didn't light up the stat sheet per se, but especially in the first half, really looked one of the only players capable of stringing together anything in possession, finding a pass that was longer than five yards, putting guys like leading guys appropriately when they were making runs, putting it on their feet or leading them with the right amount of pace, the right amount of weight need to get him involved further up the pitch. 
It's yeah, great to see are, him. Go ahead. People Ryan. are still criticized. I mean, it's like, oh, he might give away a pass or two. Are you kidding me? I think it's a waste where he is. Yes, yeah. he's getting on the ball and passing well and moving the ball. Yeah, I know. He could always do that. People are like surprised about this. Like, did you not watch him play? I, I just, it, it just mystifies me so much. He's our best player right now. Yeah. He's flat out our best player. 100%. He's completely undroppable. I, I mean, if you put him up front, at least he can keep the ball and he's a danger to pass or dribble. He's and he's more creative to hand people on. Yeah. I mean, get him in the box. I mean, he's still leading our team in creation numbers and he's barely getting, I mean, he had one touch in the box last week. One, four touches in the attacking third last week. That's it. We're not scoring goals and creating anything from open play. You can find a player that can do a lot of what he does now from the back. Fine. They're not going to be quite as expansive. That's fine. Although, did you see that switch he pinged across? the? Oh, Oh, gorgeous. Gorgeous. God. Yeah. And he played great. Same. So close to playing. I mean, there is. I just want. I think he can get on the ball. Help us with possession farther up the pitch better. Yeah. And I've heard people say, well, if he's playing wide, he'll never get the ball. What are you talking about? Are you not watching the game? The three guys up top are totally fluid. They have incredible freedom. McNeil's cutting inside. Awobi can cut inside too. I think I think it's a much better play, especially if you have a true focal point at center forward. And the other thing is too, if you're going to have guys running behind and you're going to play speed demons up top, you got to have someone to play in behind. And 100%. if you put him in closer, may- maybe Gordon is a more effective threat to run behind if you've got something like a Wobie with the ball and someone's got to deal with them. So I just think that this is why I think signing gone is so important, but we'll talk about that in a second. Sorry to jump the gun here, but I just still, still like the thing is, remember when a Wobie gave up the ball? What was it against? I can't remember last year and everyone crucified him for it, even though he played a fantastic game, except for that one giveaway. Yes. Where is the criticism Onana when he gave the ball away today? Then it's the same crap, man. I, I don't no. understand why people, how are we not over the hump yet? The guy totally busted his tail the entire second half almost carried us a time carried us today cut the guy a break man but i, I think he's more effective by pushing pushing him up a bit i, I totally agree with that i mean I, the narrative on a completely shifted i've seen a ton of people saying he's our our best player now which would have been unthinkable as like a consensus idea 12 months ago we've been saying it for a really long time on the show but i agree ryan look he's it's, it's all well and good to have alex Awobi stringing together possession passing it between the center back receiving it off of Connor Cody and driving it forward. But when we're so inept at creating in the final third, you really need to get him involved in those areas. And he covers a lot of ground, but he can't do it all. And I think if we were to go to a three man midfield, that would help him out quite a bit. And a two man, he can be impactful just because of his you know, credit to him for being able to have impact in that type of setup, despite the fact that I don't think it's really setting him up for to be as successful as he can be. And I don't want to beat this into the ground, but you saw two big chances today when he laid one off to Gordon, Gordon took a crack and then he laid one on the other side off as well. And so it's kind of like, that's what he can do for you. So you need to either play four, three, three and get him up there, which I don't think we can with our center halves, frankly. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I just think you need to get him on the ball in more dangerous areas. And I hope we figure that out. Um, one way is to do it is to sign a six again. I, I'm belaboring the point. I'll go into my good then. Um, I'll hold one off. Alex beat me to the punch with Holgate, who I do think played well, but I'm going to go with Tom Davies. Tough spot to come in. He played really well. He kept the ball well. You know, 92% pass rate in the past, six for six in long balls. He was transitioning well and getting Mikalinko the ball. He had two tackles. He had four turnovers. I, I can't deny that. He was under pressure at times and did lose the ball. Um, but but I thought he did. 
I saw more positional discipline from him than I think maybe I've ever seen. And even when we made the switch, he was kind of deeper and, and kind of pushing the ball up forward and did a pretty good job. That's a tough spot. to. I mean, I don't think he's a great player, but it's a tough spot for him to come in. And I thought he did OK. Yeah, totally agree. And as, as you said, I had I had to go with Holgate as my good player of the match. Um, Ryan even spoiled though- it. No, he did well, though. I mean, I agree. No, no, it's okay. Well, I mean, I I thought it was going to be kind of a funny thing to say as I just kind of roasted him for maybe could have, you know, done better on on the second goal conceded for sure. But overall, I mean, you know, we've had concerns over him stepping in at at the back. I know a lot of fans talk about him and Keane specifically being players that we, you know, would be okay with letting go. But today he stepped in. He was five for nine on, on long balls. So for once, he was a little better than you know, a little better than he usually is. Hallelujah. Uh, 75% pass accuracy, which was lower than, you know, Tarkovsky and Cody, but still um, pretty good. He had four tackles, couple interference, inter- interceptions, three clearances and a block. Um, really good defensive display overall, I think. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm hoping from a, a really big season from him. And it seems like we need it. Uh, with Godfrey out for a, a pretty extended period of time. That one challenge he had in like the first 10 minutes where he like yep. got the ball, hooked it, saved a very clear opportunity. That really was, good uh, and he, he's so rash in the challenge, but sometimes he times it just right. And he, he does well and he did well today. All things considered, um, you know, the paciest of our three center halves. So really going to rely on that athleticism to make not up saying much. <laughs> yes, that is very true, Ryan, but you got to work with what you got. And uh, we have to utilize his athleticism to make up as much as possible for Cody and Tarkowski's deficiencies. With that, let's pivot to the bad because I think there was certainly more bad than good today, on, as unfortunate as it is. I'm going to lead with, I hate to say it, feel like we always harp on it, but Anthony Gordon is my bad. He did lead the team in shots with three. Other than that, I think he had one dribble. And then there was a big debate going on, you know. He's being played at striker. Is that fair to say that he was bad when he's playing in a bad position? Yes, I think it's completely fair. He was very wasteful, flopping all over the place. I think he had probably four very clear flops in the first five, first 15, 20 minutes. Looked completely off the pace, looked very uncomfortable playing centrally, coming back to the ball, not his strong suit. Uh, I, I tweeted it out shortly before we started, but how he's become seemingly undroppable is a mystery to me. Honestly, if you're going to have to shoehorn someone into that striker role, I think we have a few other guys who'd be better suited for it. And I want him to succeed very badly, but he hasn't started the season off on a bright note, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, the only way it makes sense to play him up top is is if you've got a really creative team that can can exploit his pace in behind. But we don't. And and he really hasn't shown any semblance of being a an elite finisher either. Um, and that's <laughs> that is overstretching it, obviously, by a, a very far margin. Um, but it, it's also very telling. I, I sat there thinking to myself, if he's continuously starting him up top in the front three over the others, he must have better finishing in practice than Gray and McNeil, which I find very hard to believe. I mean, it looks like he can shoot a ball when there's no one in front of him. But so what? I mean, great. Uh, last time I checked, that's not really how the game's played. Um, it's corners, too. God. Yeah, the corners were bad. And his only bright moment was when he ended up toward the later stages out wide and was able to explode forward and, and take that shot. That was like probably the double shot. That was two two out of his three shots were right there in that moment. Yeah. Right. Uh, you're you want, you're bad. Well, you you want him to be successful. I, I get it. But yeah, I just I think the better way for him to be successful is put him on against tired legs. Although with Say all it. the water breaks and all the subs and whatnot, I just I don't know if that matters as much anymore. 
someone's got to do a compilation of every time on the show he said we want Anthony Gordon coming on against tired legs. legs. I mean, I just want to be in a position to succeed, and I hate to say it, but what irritates me is so many people build him up into this phenomenal player last year, and he really didn't produce much of anything. His output was minimal. He had four goals, three by deflections. He had two assists on uh, on set pieces. I mean, I just... I don't know what to say, but he doesn't look good right now. He's not really that dangerous. And those are, that was a good sequence, but I don't know. I mean, he's the only way he, he just, I thought in training and preseason, he, he looked a little bit more dynamic with the ball. Looked like he might have a, a little bit more shake, a little bit more move, you know, maybe a little bit more dynamicism to him, but we haven't seen it yet. So um, again, it's all just flat out pace and straightforwardness. You know, there's no real deception to his game. Um, the bad for me, this is hard. Um, again, Alex stole my thunder. I won't mention the name, but <laughs> the Tarkin Cody back line to me, um, I think they were fine in distribution, but I just think they got exposed on the goals. And I think that's what you get. You know, you sign two guys off freeze basically, you know, um, yeah, they just got exposed several times in, in, in the open field. So I, I guess it's Tark really. I mean, he, he didn't play his best match. I mean, we already talked about Pixar's distribution, which drives me crazy. Frank, maybe is the bad. I don't know, James. Well, I was just going to say, and maybe pose the question to the group. Is there something, and I think it was Jonesy on the discord who brought this up. Is there something to be said for, this is a back line that this is their first time playing together and we can, this is hopefully going to improve over time. Or do you think it's just, these are the players we have and their deficiencies are very obvious. And therefore we're going to continue to see this, this, the same shortcomings be exposed. I mean, maybe they can get better, but I mean, it's, it's exactly what I saw at Wolves from Kobe dropping deep. Um, I mean, he had him pushed up a couple times and, and had us organized and drew an offside or two, which is nice, but, um, no, I mean, I think it's a problem. I think it's just not he's. He, I mean, Wolves let him go for a reason, you know? Um, so if we're going to stay on the ball and control it, I, I think there's some hope there because he is a good distributor. You saw it. Um, but yeah, I just think you're going to get exposed sometimes in, in open field. And I just hope Mina's not out permanently. I, I mean, assuming we get through the season. And things go well. I think the summer's where you got to look hard and go big on a center half. I mean, we, we need someone back there that can truly be an elite player, be good now, elite later. And um, yeah, these guys are band aids. I mean, I, I think you guys said it said it right at first. Maybe their chemistry can get better. Uh, I think on the second goal, there was a little bit of maybe a chemistry or a decision making issue rather than athleticism issue. But that being said, Tark got dusted a couple times, got pretty fortunate on one where he won a tackle after getting destroyed by Watkins out wide. So you, you're going to see it. And, and that that I mean, you could change that tactically a little bit. Keep Mikalenko back maybe a little bit if you shift to a 4-3-3 and just keep the ball more. I mean, that, that's really important. People don't really possession is you know, I think Evertonians have the incredible desire to move the ball fast and get going. And I get it, but possession can be a valuable tool in terms of helping your defense it can help you get organized. It can cut your guys a little bit of a break if they're tired, even though there seems like there's a lot of stoppages in these matches. But anyway, that's now I, I think what you see is what you get. You know, we're going to have to deal with it somewhat. Yeah. And then my bad, uh, I, James and I just switched our bad players this, uh, this week compared to last, but I've got to <laughs> go with, I've got to go with Damari gray on this one. Um, you know, as we mentioned, obviously, you know, Gordon was never going to have a very fun time, uh, starting up top. We really were going to rely on players like Gray and McNeil to, to kind of contribute going forward. Um, I, in terms of just his possession, a lot, or he, he, he really got dispossessed a lot. He had three dispossessions, four bad touches. He had no defensive contribution when, you know, we didn't have the majority of the possession. You know, we've talked about it. He's not a great defensive player and that's okay, but sometimes you need a little bit more of that. It was you know, something else of note, we really waited, 
you know, way late in the match to even start pressing um, Villa, it seemed. So overall, he, he wasn't creative, in my opinion. I think he had one key pass. And he was 100%, you know, 17 for 17 in passes, most of them backwards or sideways, not really anything, you know, through the lines, nothing creative or exciting um, for me at all. So a, a day in which you really, when you're fighting away from home, um, less possession, you know, not a recognized striker on the pitch, you need more, you need him to retain possession better, be more creative, uh, make things happen. Yeah, I mean, considering how brightly he started last season, this is uh, not what we would have hoped for, but also kind of what we knew we were getting, right? He, uh, I think, surprised a lot of people with his bright start, but inconsistent is a consistent theme for Damari Gray, and we're seeing the the low end, I think, of his capability. That one ability, That one play where he cut inside and got our first shot on target was nice, but otherwise... Fairly poor overall. So, gentlemen, now 0-2 on the season. Zero points, zero goals scored by our own players. Take it to the summary. We have some additional comments here. Go to Alex's selection first. All right, so I've got DL Barks at Everton Barks. And they said, very disappointed and worried about Frank's decision-making. Criminal to not start with a striker up top. Far too slow to make the changes needed again. His lineup decisions are making the already difficult situation worse. I mean, pretty much everything that we as a group have echoed over the last episode or two, it's it's quite puzzling, but hopefully, uh, all I can say is hopefully next match we see a, a change in, in personnel up top. Yep. So goes to me, uh, Sean Kahn, the chief engineer of the optimism train. <laughs> Having gone in a number nine that Frank KT believes in would go a long way in helping us keep the ball and be more of a threat and attack. Did some Good things at the end, but wasn't enough. The squad is still coming together, so way too early to be concerned. Optimism train still strong. I look, Ghana makes a big difference here. If you have someone in like that, you can now afford to have a will be up higher and maybe control the game a little bit. I agree. But I mean, we're still not seeing that collective strategy of keeping the ball is not shared by everyone on the pitch. And some people really have got to do better. Pickford in particular. Got to drill in, drill in this identity and yes, be much better on the ball, but appreciate Sean's efforts to keep the optimism train chugging along despite a couple losses on the bounce to kick off the season. My comment was for Matt Jones at Matt J football. Two bullet points. Sign a striker, beat Forrest. Both feel pretty, he said, Feels pretty imperative that Everton do both in the next week. And uh, yeah, we got to get some points on the ta- in the table. We've got to get a result, a positive result. Can't be going th- 0-3 to start the campaign. And Forrest are a beatable team. Not that Villa weren't, and I think we could have got a result against Chelsea as well, but it's really going to be important to, to take advantage of this match against Nottingham Forest, see what we can do. And uh, as we both all said in the show, there's still a couple weeks left. Ghana seems to be taking longer than most of us would have expected due to hangouts with PSG, but he does make a big difference in that midfield, I think, for sure, in terms of possession and just the ability to then move someone like Alex will be further up. So optimistic, we can still get some more business done and we will see how that turns out. But gentlemen, any final thoughts before we adjourn for the day? Our record, you know, in recent seasons against newly promoted sides is is not usually great. So I hope we kind of defy the odds with that one because we really need it. It's dog poop, Alex. You can say that. I wasn't going <laughs> to be that. best. <laughs> it's terrible. I don't want people to jump to the conclusion that Onana should start just because he played 10, 15 minutes, gave the ball up, gave a goal, and then ran around real fast and made a couple plays. Like, I just, I don't, there's nothing he did in that 15 minutes that should suddenly create some sort of any confidence whatsoever around his game or his opinion. Now, if you saw him play for Lil, you know what kind of player he is, fine. 
that's okay. But 15 minute cameo is not the basis for anything. And where the heck would he play? I mean, because if you're going to play him in three, four, three, where he should play, which is in a two, he's not going to do any of that. So that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. People need to relax about that. I know you're trying to cling for Never. hope, but part of the reason why we had chances is they sat back. It wasn't anything we did. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, we need a six in badly. I just think that that will help us tremendously. We had another midfielder go down and yeah, it'd be nice to have another forward and it's an attacking option, I suppose. But I mean, this front three cannot continue. I, I don't understand what he's thinking with it. Um, it's not working and something needs to change, but the schedule does lighten up. Does it not? Yeah. And we, as has been the theme on the show for quite some time, we need to stay calm, not get too carried away with either Onana or the poor results and see where we are at at the end of the window in terms of personnel again the injury bug we thought it might not be so bad this season we're off to a flying start for the curse believers out there and <laughs> shaking his head but we will hope for brighter days and a better result next week most definitely and we appreciate everyone listening today thanks very much if you enjoyed the show please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice if you have feedback reach out we'd love to hear from you via email, on Twitter, Discord, wherever you can get in touch with us. We'd very much appreciate that as well. Social media at USA Toffee Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod for everything. Join the Discord, all that good stuff. We'll be with you next time. Until then, up the toffees.